I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 90. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Jared Stanley. Jared is business development officer and underwriter at Alt Mortgages. Alt Mortgages is one of the fastest growing private lenders based out of Vancouver, BC. Jared recently won the underwriter of the year from Camp, which there's some really stiff competition for. And I'm stoked for this interview today. Jared, are you ready to rock? Yes, I am. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Yeah, actually, I, I started in 2008. Uh, my father had been in the business since early 90s, uh, so just following the family footsteps. Uh, basically, started uh, doing private lending and, and administration just because that's what we focused on. Uh, but in 2012, I wanted to make a, a change and kind of deal with a different type of borrower. Uh, being a younger guy, I want to deal with other first-time home buyers. Uh, so I thought the easiest way to do that was to to go to RBC. Uh, so I tried that out. Those those were the dark days, or when I joined the dark side. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a great learning experience. Actually, when I was at RBC, I was really busy uh, and it was going well. Uh, but I I got a job offer from one of the private lenders I I used to work with, uh, asking me to come to Vancouver to to do a business development slash credit administration underwriting role. Uh, so I jumped on that. So actually in 2012, I was only at RBC for, for about eight or nine months. And then I came over to Alt um, and I've been there ever since for about three years or so. And no one ever usually starts out when they're little kids and they say, hey, I want to get into lending money. And uh, it's kind of just something you fall into. So prior to getting into this, where, like, where, did, where was your path to getting into? So you brought back a flashback. Uh, and it was like one of my most embarrassing moments in high school. And I don't know why this came out of my mouth. I, so I was sitting, it was grade nine English class and people were talking about what they were going to do when they grew up. And I was like, I'm going to be a mortgage broker. And the girl was like, how do you know that? And I was like, we were, we just, the we were just reading Shakespeare. Okay. So I just want to throw it out there. And I was like, because it's already been written. And, uh, that's what you said. Yeah, but I think back on that and I cringe. So I'm actually cringing right now even remembering that. It's so embarrassing. But there you go. How did you even know what a mortgage broker was in grade nine? Because most of my clients don't even know what a mortgage broker is until I explain it to them. You know, my father, he was uh, he was in the insurance industry and then he, he migrated over to the mortgage industry and he was always business for self. So he always had a home office. I was always around him while he was working and stuff like that. So I always had a good understanding, of course. In school, they always ask you, you know, what does your father do? You know, you have to you have to explain it. I think in grade eight, I also had to do a project saying, you know, what your father does, and it had to be something to do with math. So it was it was a real easy one to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, a, a good understanding of it. I, basically, at that point in time, you're just kind of like, oh, he helps people purchase homes with with bank financing. So, mm-hmm. which it is, well, not as simple as that, but. Right. Well, that's good. You're the, one, the first person I've interviewed in 90 people that have said, hey, in grade nine, I knew what I wanted to do because most of them are like they end up here from some unconnected path usually. You know, I wish I could go back in time and not say that in front of the entire classroom, though. I could. It was the most cringe-worthy thing I've ever said. Well, hey, you, you got mortgage broker or underwriter of the year, so that's pretty awesome. There's a lot of underwriters out there, so and uh, yeah. to win that, that's yeah. a good sign. Yeah. 
you're in the right space. So now, before we dive into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote that's really impacted your life or business. Can you share a quote that's really impacted you? There's a couple. Uh, there's there's one that I, you know, for the life of me, I can't find whoever said it. Um, I, I do a lot of reading, like old technical uh, documents, uh, just re- regarding credit and portfolio administration. Um, so, some of these papers. So really fun stuff, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, really fun stuff. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's like old thesis papers and stuff like that, that I try to read through. Uh, and one of them was, it was a banker. He was, he was quoted, uh, equity doesn't make a bad deal good. It just makes a bad deal better. And what he's saying from that is, yeah, you can have all the equity in there, but still doesn't make it a great deal. And for me, I, I noticed that, especially, you know, we're super safe. We'll never lose money on this file. But this person misses their payments each month. Uh, our credit, uh, or sorry, our administrator has to call them, chase them down. They're always giving this long story of why they couldn't make the payment and all that kind of stuff. So I find that really applicable uh, just because they're, you know, a good deal that you're not going to lose money on. It doesn't make it a, a really a good one. So there's that quote. But then uh, Henry Ford, uh, he always said, uh, you can't build a reputation on, on what you're going to do, which is, you know, in my daily life, I, tr- I really try not to say, you know, I'm going to go do this. I only ever try to say things that I, I will do. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So from the second quote, when you talk about it, there's a quote we have on the wall of our office too, is you are what you do, not what you say. Yeah. Which is very, it's kind of the same idea. So how have you applied that to underwriting? Because I, I can think of in my mind, I know that in the private space, there's some private lenders that are basically like, hey, yeah, well, they'll tell you that they'll do anything, but then you send in all the paperwork and then it's like, well, no, actually, we accept that, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, like you're killing me here. Yeah. You make it sound like it's like, yeah, we take everything if it's... Yeah, and that would jump back to some of the, the lessons that we've learned. I mean, when Alt launched, we didn't really know what our, our niche was to begin with. So we just kind of advertise, you know, uh, one size fits all. But really, that's that's not the case. We, you know, our niche is really stuff under sixty five percent loan to value and and just beating everyone on rate. Mm-hmm. So the, the really like we do a lot of like I think our average loan to value in our portfolio is less than fifty six percent. We do a lot of equity deals that are are real safe, but again, our interest rates are are very low. So it took us a while, and also going to our, our investor, showing him how rates have been trending downwards and stuff like that. And, and if we want these good quality deals, we got to, we got to lower our rates. So eventually we, we ended up where we are now, which is, you know, lowest rates, 5.95, no lender fee. So it took a bit of time to get down there. So that's one of the things though, like, especially when someone calls me on a deal, I, I really, before I even put a commitment out on it, I really like to make sure that I'm comfortable with the value that's being stated. I know everyone relies on appraisal reports, but uh, mm-hmm. I think by looking on MLS, just just seeing, you know, reading about the local economy, wherever the property's at, you can get a really good idea or a sense of a range uh, that the property can fall into. And I typically won't put a commitment out unless I'm comfortable that the, the property will fall into that range. And if I'm not comfortable, I'll, I'll straight up say, Hey, look, you know, this property is likely not going to be in that range. You know, you're happy to order an appraisal, but I'm telling you right now, it's, it's probably not going to come in most of the time. Yeah. I, I sometimes can be wrong, but I get, uh, I get pretty, pretty close to, to the property value. Right. Just so I can think like an underwriter for a moment, what kind of ways do you come up with your best guess or educated guess on a property without having an appraisal? So what kind of things do you guys look at? 
I always use, I use Google and Google Street Views all day long. So I kind of jump on Google, I view where the property's at, then I look at extremity or maybe some negative externalities in the area. So highways, uh, railways and all that kind of stuff, flight paths. And I kind of move my way in and say, okay, well, this property's closer to areas where, you know, public transport is accessible. Of course, if there's public transport, then it would appeal to more buyers and stuff like that for this convenient access to a highway. So we're good there. And then I keep going in and then I go on Google Street View, uh, take a little tour of the neighborhood uh, just briefly, just make sure there's no, you know, rundown houses or boarded up windows and, and such. And then I, I jump on MLS uh, and just see based on the property type that's submitted to me, kind of what properties are listed for and kind of build a range just based on exterior appearances, really. You, you don't really know what's, what's going on inside the house, but mm -hmm. once you've seen a few listings in the area, you can kind of get a, a good price range. Of course, listings, they're not 100% accurate and appraisers can't actually. What, really? They're not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, appraisers can't even use listings in the report as an indicator of value, right? They can use it as an example, but they can't use it as a, as an actual comp. So you always got to keep that in mind that, you know, these listings might be completely off, but when you're dealing in large, uh, urban centers, if you sc scroll into 10 blocks or so, there's going to be more than 30 properties typically listed in that one area. So it, it makes it really easy. It actually might be more than 10 blocks, but it makes it pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's only when it's a unique property, that's when it's really hard to peg what it go for. So obviously, you understand underwriting, especially on the B side. So somebody who's maybe working, wanting to do more in the B business, what's a big mistake that you see people make when they're trying to work B deals? Yeah, it's it's a terrible pun. Uh, which is alt deals have a story. Um, it's terrible. Alt, yeah, you you're really into the puns, the Shakespeare and the. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible with puns, and I, I I get it I get it from my mom. That's okay. It's all good, man. You get paid to underwrite anyway, so it's all good, right? Like you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The most common mistake is is not having a story that matches up with what I'm seeing. Because oftentimes I'll read through all the documentation before even reading your, your notes. I'll just skim through it briefly, jump back to your notes and say, get the basic, like I'm looking for 65% loan to value. Uh, I'll look at that, read through the credit bureau, read through the app, and then jump back to your notes seeing if it explains some of the delinquencies on the report and stuff like that. Just just because we're an equity lender, a lot of equity lenders might have a different opinion on this, but um, we like we like to know the story because you like to know, you know who you're getting in bed with, really. And it kind of jumps back to that quote uh, that I said earlier. It's like, yeah, there might be a ton of equity in the property, but this borrower could be a pain to deal with. And really... The credit and the income act aspect, I would say those are more used for pricing than anything else because we rely solely on the equity. But at the end of the day, we kind of use the other two C's, credit and capacity, to determine you know how we should price mm -hmm. it. That's kind of how we look at it. The other mistake I see is, is a lot of missing information. So sometimes you might submit it to equitable trust, get turned down. So then you submit it to us, but you have the old interest rate in there. You have the, uh, maybe there was a different closing date. So when we see that that application, it's the data is incorrect. Um, and another big one is is not going through the credit bureau and matching it to the application, uh, What what is copied from the credit bureau to the application. Like I saw one file the other week where the person had scraped from, I think in file it's called scrape 
scrape from liabilities or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he had done it like four or five times. So the liability section on the printout for the file logistics application was like two pages long. And this broker, for whatever reason, uh, they didn't correct that. So I'm not sure if they ever even noticed. So Some of it's just being sloppy up front. And then, okay, so now I want to switch to, to you probably have some people that you deal with that you're like, man, when they send in a deal, this is like, it's beautiful. Uh, so give us some ideas on what we could do to make our B deals beautiful, beautiful B deals, you know? <laughs> Yeah, when I was brokering B deals, I would always, obviously you want to advocate for the client, but it is a B deal. So you want to go over both positive and, and negative points. You know, in some B deals, there's, there might be no positive points, but let's, let's just cut to the chase and state those up front and we'll make a solution based on that. Sometimes, you know, some brokers will even forget to tell me what loan to value they need. But uh, basically, it's just it's just having good notes. Like I have a notes template that uh, that I could send you to share. That'd be great. Yeah, I use that every day, and I use highlights, lowlights, property details. It has hyperlinked links to the Google Map view. It has uh, Street View links, so anyone else looking at that can uh, click on it and go into Street View. It also, I, I look at houses on MLS, and then I link to that as well, providing a rough range. I summarize credit, income, all that kind of stuff. So basically anyone, especially when you're dealing with private investors that might be high net worth individuals, they might be on their boat somewhere. Uh, when you're trying to get that deal done, you really want to provide them something that they can look at with and, and rely upon without even you know, having to open the application and credit bureau. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they always should, but you know, you want them to be able to read it off their iPhone and say, yeah, approved as presented. Once it starts becoming a headache, like when we're, we're just sitting here trying to decipher what, what you're sending us, it's, it's just like when a client tries to explain their situation to you and you have to figure out what the heck these, these borrowers are, are getting at. It's, we do the same thing. It's just, you just got to really make sure that uh, communication is, is clear and, and everything's presented properly. And mm -hmm. we should be fine. In terms of underwriting, of course, you know, when you see brokers putting in that extra effort, on average, I think I work 10 to 12 hours a day. So, you know, I, I really, you know, I don't mind staying late for the brokers that are working as hard as me because I care about their business. But uh, when someone sends me something that's sloppy, it's it's kind of like I'll get to that once I'm done with every everyone else that mm -hmm. sent me a proper package, right? So. I think that would help as well getting your deals approved faster is just having a concise package. I think anybody listening to this, what you said there is just gold in terms of if you send in a messy deal and it's not just you and every underwriter is going to be like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to start on this thing. Let me just finish some of these other ones that are like I can actually get off my desk so I feel like I'm making progress and then I'll get to yours when I – Yeah. So the cleaner, the tighter we can have our applications, the faster you know the service will get the better we'll be able to provide for our clients and mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i think that's critical yeah i think that just goes along with human nature you never <laughs> like when you start cleaning your house you don't start with the hardest thing first you kind of you know work top to bottom and you get to the you know you finally take out the trash at the end and stuff like that so it's just human nature really you're gonna do the the easy ones first mm-hmm so make them make them as easy as possible for the person and, and clear. And so, do you have some of the brokers you work with have you can tell they have like templates that they use? Yeah, a lot of them use the same template always, uh, and that makes it really easy for me because I I use their template because I have my own template and I'll pull information off that and put it into mine. 
Now, mine's more detailed, of course, because I have to try to point out everything. Well, and because it's your guy's money, so it's one thing. <laughs> you're asking for money, you're writing checks, so I could see why you're going to want to have a yeah. few more details in there. Yeah, exactly. The other thing is I would always caution brokers to say, because I see it a lot, and I just find it kind of funny, but it's like, oh, good deal, or AAA credit, or houses in great condition. Well, those things are all subjective, right? Mm-hmm. So I always find it funny. It's kind of like when someone sends you an email and says, hey, I hope you're doing well. And especially when it's someone you don't really know, it's like, well, do you really hope that I'm doing well? Like, I, I don't really even know you, you know? It's right. like one of those things that you're just filling a gap. I think I sent you that email, didn't I? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> or, or when you say, like, just following up in an email, it's kind of like that filler, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of emails start with, this is a great deal. And then I'll read through it. I'm just like, well, this is a terrible deal. <laughs> like, Why do you say it's great? But, but uh, which happens a lot or you know, great, fantastic credit. And you look at it, it's like, well, they've only actually had a card open for a year and it's only has a thousand dollar balance or a thousand dollar limit. So they really don't have that good of credits. It's just, they, they haven't had time to mess up yet. And then of course, the property's condition. It's like, well, you're not really qualified to give that opinion and say what happens if it was in bad condition and someone lost money on it. Right. Right. That's that's why I would caution and stay away from saying anything to do with uh, quality or condition of the property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. And so obviously winning underwriter of the year, were you surprised by that or was that like were you kind of like telling were you telling all your clients or brokers that, hey, nominate me because I'm awesome or what happened there? No, I would like to say that I'm 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 pretty uh, humble when I won this. I, I had no idea. I think it was Kara that called me from camp. I thought she was calling to see if we would sponsor something at camp, which, you know, we, I, I get calls like that often, maybe not from camp, but, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know about the uh, underwriter nomination. And I was just waiting for it. Oh, well, could you sponsor a table? And uh, she was like, well, you were nominated. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's great. She's like, well, y- you won. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know I was in this contest and I won. Yeah. So I didn't know I was nominated. Um, so one of our referral partners, uh, I guess, wrote something really nice and you know flattering about me and and sent it in to and i guess it was reviewed by um the appraisal institute of canada solder school of business and credit canada Mm -hmm. i'm probably saying that wrong uh but there was three members that went through all the nominations and they selected me so and i haven't read whatever they they sent in so i don't know what they said but they obviously did a good job (laughs) right yeah so that whoever it is is probably also good at getting their deals done because they're probably good at you know putting together a story yeah yeah i'm just kidding <laughs> uh it's uh yeah it's definitely a bit of sales in there but uh i think just based on how fast we've grown uh, you know how much how much i'm in the office and how much i'm i'm working I, I wouldn't say that i'm the best underwriter in terms of knowledge i might know about a specific niche but i certainly i, I believe i'm one of the hardest working so i think that's really what separated me maybe from the other nominees no, well, if you're putting in 12 hours a day, that's definitely commitment. And so I have a question for you on, so what's something that Alt Mortgages does that maybe would surprise people? So what's something that you normal for you, but maybe is not? Is there some a certain niche or area that you guys are good at? Yeah, you know, we do a lot of foreign purchases through power of attorneys. And I think that uh, surprises a lot of brokers when we say that we'll do it. And then also sometimes, you know, we're able to do 
100% financing through, you know, securitizing another property. So it's just, to me, it's just an inter alia, you know, first mortgage or whatever that allows them to purchase the property. But to a lot of brokers, I don't think a lot of them think about interaling other security, especially on the A side, the ones that haven't done too many private deals, they don't typically think of that. Um, so that's one that always surprises. But, you know, a lot of private lenders do that. And I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of private lenders also do the, the power of attorney uh, with a foreign buyer. Of course, you know, our rates, uh, I think that's what surprises people the most uh, because, you know, we're, we're all pretty much in, we're in-house, right? So it's not like there's a, a management company that's managing our portfolio. It's, you know, it's us. I'm employed by the investor, right? So we have we have less costs involved with that. So a lot of the times, it surprises people that we're we're not charging uh, a lender fee, uh, and also how transparent we are about about certain things about how our products work and and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. have you guys ever secured anything other than real estate? We have, but that's more so of the um, investment portfolio. Like that's on the. Uh, other size because some of the other guys in our office we they they look at venture funds and all that kind of stuff so that i'm not involved okay i'm just curious so so it sounds like you run a pretty lean operation so do you have any like software or programs or anything you use to make things run smoother for you yes i i personally use lendesk Uh, lendesk is actually it's a loan origination platform uh, that'll be launching in in spring 2016 and i'm i'm one of the beta users that um, you know they they constantly ask me for feedback brokers actually i believe they can sign up for early access for the product if they actually go to lendesk.com there's a short video they can watch uh, and actually register for it Cool. And so do you find that that helps you manage? I mean, if it's just right now, it's you kind of managing all of this business. So does it help you keep everything on track or? Yeah. I mean, once you're underwriting, I think I underwrite close to 80 deals a month, which doesn't sound that high, maybe. That's a lot for one person. Yeah. So once you start getting uh, to the, to that kind of like, I think once we got over to three or four million a month, in, in volume, I started having a real hard time uh, tracking everything. So I really rely on the the deal pipeline just to manage everything because out of sight, out of mind, right? And uh, you can't let any deals fall through the cracks. Especially, you know, if you, if I take Saturday off, I find that comes Sunday when I'm preparing for Monday, it's really easy to miss things unless you have it all neatly organized and everything like that. So it helps a lot with that. And then also, of course, as everyone knows, we have a ton of paperwork uh, that's very uh, redundant and um, not useless, but there's just a ton of it. It's really just, you know, data entry, really. So it's it doesn't really take a lot of cognitive energy, but it's it take, can take a lot of time. Does it automate it for you? Does it do it for you? Or does it just make it like, can you like click, click a button and it pulls? Yeah. So based on the information that's there internally, it, it will then generate documents uh, based on what we've loaded into the system. So I'm not really a tech guy, so I can't give you exact terminology, but... uh, I can tell you, okay, any private lender who's listening to this podcast is going to go, you underwrite 80 deals a month by yourself and you're not like, you know, you're not insane. So I think that it's going to make something like Lendesk be very popular when it's available on a broader scale. So if you're, I guess, if somebody is interested, where would they go to, you know, get early access? Yeah, it's lendesk.com. So L-E-N-D-E-S-K.com. 
Okay. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's at a very high volume for one person to manage and to manage even just creating the paperwork. Yeah. So I, I should say we, we have a good administrator that, uh, you know, she stops what she's doing to do my solicitor instruction. So she's actually creating those uh, documents through Lendesk, but I certainly have to review everything and, and handle that. So some of the, the, the other paperwork, you know, I can't say I do everything uh, mm-hmm. from start to finish, but I, I do manage most of it, pretty much all. Right. And that's part of the reason you can keep your costs down is you don't have as many layers of, of people required, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's huge. I mean, of course, you know, I haven't taken a vacation in three and a half years or so. So I, I would love to go on one. Um, so, you know, we, we are training someone new. But uh, yeah, no, Lendesk helps a lot, especially, you know, with it being accessible on uh, iOS devices. Uh, it allows me, like if I'm out of the office, to have a, a clear view of what's going on and what deals I got to work on. Or can you underwrite right from your phone? You know, you can. Um, well, then you can go on vacation. Then what's your problem? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, with me, it's it's. Uh, you know, I, I got a fiance now, yeah. uh, and if I'm on my phone all the time, she will. Uh, especially if we go on vacation, because I know I'm just messing with you. And she's she's happy if I come home for dinner. So I think I would get killed if I was on my phone. Yeah, but it's possible. Okay, so and anybody listening to this can get links to everything that we talked about, as well as Jared's template that he uses. So if you're into the B business, or even if you're not, I think it's going to be extremely useful for you. Uh, he's obviously very organized and systematic. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be able to do the volume he does. Well, again, I would like to say I got um, our credit administrator <laughs> helps keep me organized. And uh, Okay. It's a team effort. Yeah, we all pitch in. But I mean, right now, there's just Terry and I and then Val, who does her bookkeeping. But she does it all for the, the whole office and all the other things we got going on. And then we have another credit admin that started last Monday. Yeah, so small team. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time for this interview today. And I hope... Alt Mortgages continues to crush it. Thanks, Jared, so much. Yeah, no worries.